Welcome, everyone. Believe it or not, it's been a month, but this is really another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show, and I'm Alon. And I'm really Ara. Yeah, really, really. So, hey, this um, is this is the earliest we have ever recorded this show, Alon. Earliest in the day? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the life of a, of a new father. So you know. now we have to call this early morning edition. I hope other people are listening to it at 3 a.m. Then it's early, early, early morning edition. Yeah, it's yeah. so early, it's really late. So it has been a long time. And you know, people know that, or at least if they've been listening a long time, they know that uh, you know sometimes it's hard for us to find things to talk about. That's not why we delayed a month. We delayed a month just because of various crap getting in the way. But um, it's certainly difficult to find some stuff. And this is a down time, it seems, unless you want to talk about Gamergate. You want to you talk about Gamergate, apparently you, know what's you funny about that. Actually, actually, before we may or may not get into Gamergate... I hope not. What's funny is that when we used to um, travel to do the show, you know, I'd, put, I'd make printouts of all the topics we'd talk about. And the funny thing is I'd always actually have um, a growing list of things that we've never talked about. Because these pieces of paper, like, I would put them aside more often than I would use them. So I don't know if you ever saw, but, you know, in my backpack, I had, like, this little like, stack of papers. And they were actually all old stuff. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. Yeah. Well, I mean, we want to keep a little bit timely. It's good. No, this is a fantastic. I'm just, you know, showing all the listeners. There's you. If you think it's bad now, just wait until you don't listen to all the topics that we didn't cover. Do you want to, like, look in your backpack at stuff from three years ago and just start talking about those topics? <laughs> no, I think that we'll figure it out. That could be potentially interesting. But, you know, we do this... have a good list today, things that yeah. I, want to, I want to talk about. One thing specifically, actually, I brought up in our last show, right? So I've, I'm trying to get people to tell me video game stories. And unfortunately, I don't have a, a good means for actually collecting these right now. But... um I did mention that I had my story of getting totally robbed, and you said that you had never heard that, which surprised me. Oh, yeah, and then you know what? One of our um, frequent listeners called me, and he was like, um, no, I remember like exactly like when Alon talked about all that stuff during the show. So, oh, well. Okay, so I did cover it. All right, well, then here's what I'll do. If people want to hear that story again, because it's fascinating, uh, <laughs> getting robbed from GameStop. Or at but, a GameStop. But me, having a very small memory bank, uh, I have no recollection of it whatsoever. Seriously? Not at all? You don't remember me, like, talking about well, going well, to Well, I'm not going to suddenly remember because I feel guilty about it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of it's funny. It's like when I was in court for that thing and I was, you know, reciting what I remembered. The guy was like, wait, so you don't remember saying this? And he, like, shows me the, the document that I had, you know, I had to explain what happened so he shows yeah. me this thing from like a year earlier i'm like oh yeah 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 no i totally remember now <laughs> all right anyway so i won't talk about that th that this time because it would take a big chunk of the show but if people want to hear it just post to our facebook i'm happy to retell the story i think if it's been many many years there's probably a lot of people listening who haven't heard it before so. well if i've forgotten you know yeah. it will it will make my psyche feel a lot better to think that most everyone else has forgotten too yeah, good. In other words, what you're asking for is for people to get onto Facebook and actually re request this. Sure, yeah. I also 
I want to hear other people's stories about, they, they don't have to be something big like that, like anything, anything you feel emotionally tied to relating to games. If there's a story associated with it, that's, that's what I want to hear. Cause I think that would be interesting content for the show. So, uh, you know, so put it on our Facebook page and, or say that, let us know that you have it and maybe we will contact you outside of the page or something to hear, hear what you're talking about. Let's, um, do you want to spend a couple minutes on this Gamergate thing? Uh, you know, here's the one thing I want to say about Gamergate. This, this part that I thought was kind of funny. I, uh, I was in San Francisco a couple weeks ago for something totally unrelated to video games, but I was reading up on, on some blog stuff and I saw an article from cracked.com that covered, covered the Gamergate thing. And what they were explaining in the content of this article was a bunch of people asked us to cover this thing. And we're like, that is the stupidest crap we've ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> let us go research this. And then they researched that. And they their response to everyone was, even if everything you're saying is true, this is still the stupidest crap we've ever heard of. And then they went went about basically rehashing everything that happened in it and explaining it to the people that, that didn't know what it was all about. And I basically agree with their original sentiment. Like, it's all just the stupidest crap. And it's making such a big impact, like Intel removing their funding. And I was, I'm not going to disclose the name, but I was uh, emailing with someone from a major video game, you know, blog network site very recently, right? Um, someone who's been in the industry for a very long time. And we were just talking about totally unrelated stuff, like just what's been going on lately. He, there's, you know, this person had a baby recently and I have a baby recently and, uh, I was just bringing that up and he's like, yeah, you know, lately part of me just like, doesn't even want to do this anymore. Like all this Gamergate crap worried about our data being like stolen and privacy and whatever. Like Wait, do what anymore? His job. Oh, okay. Cause that could, you know, it could be job games, life could be. No, like there. get out of the industry. That's how much this, this Gamergate thing has affected people that are in the industry. And that's, just dumb it's just dumb right like i guess a lot of this stuff is all about women being treated fairly in the industry which i totally support um but the the emotions that people have tied to this or at least have pretended to yeah. tie well, who doesn't support women being treated fairly i mean come on I, I mean there's a there's a lot of people apparently who don't no that's i mean this is getting off on a tangent but anyway i'll just i'll just leave my statement as it is you can keep going I, I don't have much else to say, except that it's clear that a lot of people who are emotionally unstable or immature and, and probably physically immature, right? Like we're probably talking about a lot of teenagers <laughs> and, and people younger than teenagers who are, their voice is being heard through the internet. And the problem with that is that in, in volume, regardless of who the people are that are doing it, since you can't validate who all these people are anyway and decide if you care about their opinion... Um, it, it creates problems for other people, right? Like I always say, you know, if, if you can't handle the comments coming your way on the internet, then just stop reading them, right? Like it's not gonna, it's not gonna affect your life. Um, but then some of these people are threatening to make it real, you know, like they're actually invading real privacy for people involved. They're forcing other people who are perhaps, so like Joe Blow on the internet, has no effect on me in real life, right? But if Joe Blow on the internet were to tell you something about me 
and make you not like me, then then he's made it real in my world, right? Because you and I interact. And so they've they've created this environment of uh, like fear and just loathing um, within this this industry where people actually interact with one another and it's causing problems in real lives. And I just, it's so absurd to me, especially the way it all started from just like some angry dude. So that's that's really all I... Yeah, it's hard for it. me to actually uh, have an appreciation for or even relate to, but it's also so complicated that like, I don't even know what it is anymore or exactly... But all I have to say is that the person, there's going to be an invention one day, and this invention is going to be able, it's going to enable people to identify the age of somebody saying something on the internet. And when that invention gets invented, the world will be a much better place. Yeah, and I, and you know, <clears throat> this almost sounds derogatory to people who are young, like you shouldn't appreciate those opinions. But I mean, I kind of think that's true. Wait, you, no, you should be derogatory towards people who are young about this because the people who are young about this have immature opinions about it. That's, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm coming from. It's not that I don't appreciate young people, the input they have or the Listen, feedback they have young about people, things. young people do not get a free respect card in my book. Well, I mean, everybody gets a free respect card. Yeah, that, that's book, what I'm saying. But, but on this topic, yeah, like... Look, I, just I'm just saying you shouldn't. I don't, I don't think you should be showing deference to this um, this punk like population. Yeah, because they ain't showing deference to anyone else. That's certainly true, and yeah, I, it the whole thing is just whatever. And it it amazes me that it's still going on too. I mean, at this point, it's been more than a month, right? Like this thing has legs. Like no other story. Well, I mean, it sounds like to me that there's just like a bunch of like different things happening that like a lot of people are just calling Gamergate collectively. So, so I don't even like, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, um, it's like that protest Wall Street thing. It's like, it's become so general and vague that any kind of like controversy that's like tangentially like similar is like looped into this collective group of things. I mean, that, that's probably also true, but there's certainly some common ground about, you know, where, where it all stems from and the result. And certainly the people who are being harassed are being harassed nonetheless, regardless of where it's coming from. But I mean, part of me wonders if there's someone who just made a bot, a harassment bot, I'm sure that. someone's trying if they haven't done it already. Yeah. I um I got a message on on a Facebook page that I manage um from someone I don't know, right? Like it's I have no idea who the people are who follow the page. Um but it was just it was kind of it, it was like someone being really angry and yelling. Yeah. But it looked very much like the type of spam that exists on the web when people just fill up comments right where like there's various scripts being intermingled with one another you know what i'm talking about like, yeah i never a, figured how like whoever like engineered that sort of thing figured that would like uh well so part of it is i guess it's to get through spam filters and not through human eyes you know well they're part of partly that and also people would build pages 
web pages in order to get like page rank and mess with SEO and stuff. They would build a page that has a lot of keywords and just has a lot of words. So it looks legitimate. But then when you actually read it, it doesn't make sense because it's mixing like a script from a book over here and then some comment that they pulled from online somewhere else and right. mashes them all together. So it just doesn't make sense. So this message I got on this business's page uh, looked very much like that. It was like this combination of text pulled from various places, but there was no link anywhere. There was no call to action of any sort. It was just sudden rambling. And my only guess is that it's a robot that is testing communication with brand pages and just trying to see if it's capable of producing the message or maybe if people respond to it in some way, um, how many people maybe click the button to report it to, to know how much it can get away with stuff. But like, it certainly didn't have any immediate reward for the person who was, you know, yeah, I get, I get those queer, um, spams too, you know, but my favorite are the kind where they're like trying to sell a product where like the product, like, like nobody ever is like ever going to buy that product. It's like, I don't know. It's like, um, Viagra? Is that what you're talking about? No, like some people want Viagra. Like sometimes it's just like something that nobody wants. I don't know, like inflatable band-aids or something. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that before, but it's certainly, there are a lot of people creating bots to do weird stuff, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were making harassment bots. And that would be especially foul. Like if we ever found someone doing that, it'd just be like, seriously, like you're causing pain in people's lives. And that it's, it's that sort of thing where you where I say like it's hard to respect the youngster because they don't appreciate the uh, the extent of of their actions and hey look maybe it I just all, sound like it all an just, old fogey at this point I just have one word for it and it's punk it just comes down <laughs> to they're just fucking punks yeah that's did I just well, say a bad word I totally said a bad word you did I mean we were trying to avoid it earlier but it's all right all right so speaking of idiot kids there was something that hit the news recently about a kid who spent almost fifty grand in some foreign currency. Uh, oh, yeah, this is, game. this is a great theme. After you finish that, then um, then I'll commiserate about my students. Okay. Yeah, this is this is good. We've still got quite a bit of time in this segment. So this this kid, I don't have a whole lot to say on the subject, except, I mean, we've all heard of this, uh, you know, kids get a hold of their parents' credit cards and spend a bunch of money and free-to-play games that then have in-app purchases. But I guess it's a big deal. Maybe he spent more than other people, which is why it's making news. It was something on the order of like 46,000 and change with, wow. uh, with currency conversion. And what did he what did he spend it on? Oh boy, I don't actually remember what game it was, but some free-to-play iOS game. So, do you realize that like for that game, like he is their number one shark? Uh, you mean whale? Oh uh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, then you think that people are like they're probably going to refund the money like they've done in the past. In fact, I don't, I don't know if it's an iOS game. It might have been some other app uh, or some other. It app makes store. it makes me wonder actually because these incidents of whales are so um, rare, and because the profit for these systems is so heavily dependent on them. You know, just because this is a new story now doesn't mean this is the first time this has happened. Um, yeah, let me, I try. I'm just getting the, I, I find it funny to think about the prospect that maybe, um, maybe there's a lot more whales that are fall into this category of 
economical transaction than we Oh, think. that they're not actually real? <laughs> well, I kind of get this feeling like every every person who has, you know, I don't want to be that categorical about it, but let me just put it this way, okay? When I was a little kid, I got my hands on 900 numbers and I drove up my parents' phone bill up to 300 plus dollars that month and my dad chewed my head off. <laughs> and if this happened to me and if it's happening to this in this story um and I you know I'm pretty sure it's happened to a lot of other people is what I'm saying. Yeah, but maybe not to this degree. And 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 I, it's just kind of funny just to think about the idea that uh just that like kid spending the parents money on overspending it dynamic might be responsible for a lot more profits in, in this in this market than we've considered before. You know, that actually leads to um, – well, first, let, let me point out that the article claims that the kid said he didn't know he was spending real money. But, like, he had to have the credit card. But he also – he had he – had Of course the kid's going to say that. He had originally had the credit card because he helped his mom, like, buy some books on the device. Um, yeah. But – Anyway, it's it's just a little bit ridiculous that he would claim that he didn't know it was real because I don't think he was like a – How do you get to 50K before you get found out? That's impressive. Well, what's crazy is that she even had a limit on her credit card to allow that much. But I guess may, maybe in whatever European country they were in, uh, you know, she's using an Amex or something that has no limit. Hey, well, I'm, some people might have 50K limits on their card. Um, all right. So there's another article I read related to that. And then we can talk about your students. Um, this is actually from Forbes. And the headline is, the moneymakers... Let me make sure I'm speaking into the mic here. The moneymakers for social games aren't the big spenders. In other words, the whales. Have you seen this article or, or this thought? No. Who are the moneymakers if so they're not the whales? Apparently, this, this company, Ninja Metrics, um, helped the people who make Imperia Online to run a study and it, obviously the people the way they make money is from the people who spend the money but it's very much a social game right so you know there are people who are super valuable to the financial ecosystem of, for these developers who spend zero dollars but because they have friends who spend money whether it's sing, you know whale friends or just lots of friends who spend a little bit they're saying that um, the social element to these games is significantly more important than the whales because you're basically just – I mean it's a volume game, right? Oh, this sounds like such a tenuous argument though. I mean it depends on the game. I mean I'm sure there's some value, you know. There's value to players who play these games who don't pay because of just what you said, you know. I mean, I'm sure I'm valuable to, you know, the company that made Puzzle and Dragons because I'm still playing that on a regular basis. Yeah, but are you... And I don't pay any money. Are you telling other it. people to play it? Well, I mean, I've probably done quite a bit of PR for the company, yeah. You know, but the thing is, right, like, it's... You can't really quantify that, you know what I mean? Like, you can try. I'm sure if your company is called Ninja something, you're going to try. Well, I mean, if you have access to all the data, then you you can. And they say no, but you, no, but that's what I'm saying though. Like, how can you quantify like um, like the social impact of me on someone else? Is what I'm saying. Well, it's. I mean, if you can tell that this person referred this other person, or that uh, if it's a game that actually involves interaction between multiple players, right? So Ninja and Dragons is not 
or Puzzle and Dragons is not a good example because <laughs> it's a single player game, right? Well, there is some social aspect, but yeah, there's that's the other thing, right? Like how how socially valuable a user is depends on the space that they're in, so it depends on the game. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the structure of the game is important, but uh, let me read from the article here. It says. Um, the more a game incentivizes players to play together, the stronger this effect is. For example, the company has used its analytics engine to observe interaction in the game Imperia Online. For that game, the company determined that about 75% of playtime is driven by social interaction, meaning that Imperia players want to play with their friends far more than they want to play alone. So if you But wait a minute, wait a minute, right? Like the thing we got to clarify here, right? And like this is a really important distinction to make. Is that like that's true in that game, you know? It doesn't mean that it's going to be true in every game. Like it just like that. It doesn't mean that like seventy five percent of the time people would rather be like or 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 more affected by like social things. It's just like that's just how it breaks down in that game. Well, I mean, I agree. Uh, to to really build a solid study for this, like more scientific, you would need a larger sample of games and and the audiences of those games. But I do believe that there's a correlation, like. There's, it's probably true, not necessarily 75%, but it's probably true that people do like playing with their friends more than they like playing alone when the game allows for it. Yeah, see, like, I wouldn't even go and, like, I wouldn't even venture to be that general about it because I think that it's just, there's just too much subtlety. Like, you see articles about this, and usually, like, people are led to conclude, like, oh, well, multiplayer is must be much better than single player, you know? But no matter what, you can always still find examples of, like, single player games that, like, totally destroy multiplayer games in sales and vice versa, you know? Yeah, well, first of all, there's always going to be outliers, but... The, this, this paragraph here that starts, the more a game incentivizes players to play together, the stronger this effect is, I think that's valued or, or, or valid. Uh, obviously, if the game incentivizes people to work with other, to play with other people, then they're going to want to play with other people, assuming they want to play the game well, in the first yeah, place. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess that, like what I have contention here is with the word want, you know? Are you turning all Bill Clinton on me? Listen... This is like saying that if there's a key and a door in a game that I want to go through the door with the key, you know? Like, of course I want to do that because the game has only given me a facility to do that. So I want to do it, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that, like, playing that game makes me like going through doors with keys more. Well, to be honest, when we're talking about a company building a profit model, I don't know how much that matters. The question is really what can they do to their game in order to get more people playing and therefore get more money out of it? Yeah, no, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that it's easy for people to conclude like the latter of what I said. And I want to make the distinction that that doesn't, that doesn't often happen even if you're led to, to have concluded that. Uh when you say that doesn't often happen, what do you mean? Uh, okay, I feel like I'm explaining way too much, but um, let's just move yeah, on. Bo bottom line is, I mean, yes, I would like to see more similar studies like this, but it's the the general themes I believe are probably true, right? If you can build a game that incentivizes w without being shady, 
Right. Let me put it this way. Okay, so I guess I really don't want to move on, right? Like, they're just – you could say, like, what they're saying in that article, you could say about, like, a different format game that's equally successful, you know? Like, these are all good things to put in a game, but it's, like, it's not the only way to do it. Like, I just – I don't understand what the point of this piece is. It, what they're saying What's is the that thesis here? if you're making a free-to-play game, don't necessarily pay attention so much. So, like – you know, when you have a community, you want to identify who your key players are so that you can, you know, interact with them more, give them free stuff, get them to be better advocates for your product or service, right? That's just, that's sort of a, a theme of marketing these days is, is nurture, nurture yeah, you your get, strong you get players. get your customers to do your marketing yeah, so for the, you. The, the real key takeaway from this is that don't just look for the people spending the most money. Look at the people who encourage the expense of the most money. So even if this person doesn't spend a dime on your game but they've pulled in a thousand players who collectively all spent a million dollars um i mean those numbers don't actually well work yeah out that's really. i mean that's a fair thing to yeah. say right i mean just don't look at it at, with blinders on look at the whole picture i mean sure. yeah exactly so you should yeah i'm down with that try try to use some data to find players that really influence your bottom line rather than necessarily focusing just on the whales that's the yeah, real because thing. half of them are the seven-year-old kid on his uh, the Swiss parents' bank account. Yeah, yeah. it was Belgian, by the way. I, I found that. Oh, I knew I would be within three thousand miles. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time to go to break, so we'll do that. Come back, and then you can talk about the stuff that's been on the tip of your tongue for the last fifteen minutes. Sound good? Sounds. Great. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Chatterbox, video game radio, super early morning edition, because Aura is still asleep, actually. Yeah, I, we, we mentioned at the beginning, by the way, that we waited a month for this. I never actually apologized to our listeners for that. Like, it's been an entire month. That's not our original plan, but I have so many different things going on right now, and traveling, and a baby... I just didn't make the right time for it, and we kept Wait, to delay. I'm dealing with traveling and babies at the same time too. What sort of babies? Well, these are babies in adult bodies. Oh, all right. So tell me about this. Yeah, so I guess I guess I haven't told people. Um, this would, it would be really funny if actually anybody in my class actually heard this show, but I don't think they will. Um, but uh, in case you have, you can uh, tell me or not or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I started teaching at ASU. So this is actually um, first time I'm teaching a class where I give out grades and stuff. You know, I've done a lot of teaching before, but it's never really been like for grades. You mean that like camp type sessions? Yeah, and other things. Um, yeah. So this is the... You know, I'm basically teaching a college freshman class, and it's basically like Game Dev 101. And this is a totally 
interesting experience because I'm seeing this from now the other side of, you know, where I normally experienced it when I went to college. So I was a pretty reasonable student, right? So I did not have any awareness of students who are not so reasonable, you know? So yeah, it's funny because I feel like I I warned you about this in advance, but maybe well, we I mean, I'm sure you talk. did because I mean, like, not everybody's you know great to deal with, but it's like um, there's it's it's really really strange feeling because you know I've got like 50, almost fifty students, and I want them to do well. But at the same time, when you set up basic parameters for the class and it's like they don't listen to like the things they're supposed to do and you have to tell them like multiple times, you know, it's hard to feel respect for them when they're not respecting things like, um, you know, like due dates. Yeah, dude. Which is a really important thing for me because it's like, you know what? There's something due on a certain date. It doesn't mean like it's due on that exact date un- until you call me and tell me if you want an extension, you know? It's not like it's due then except when you forget, you know, your battery charger over the weekend. Or, you know, the the deadline applies except like when your internet's slower than normal. Seriously? you got, You got my internet's real slow right now? Well, these are just examples of excuses that I get, you know, <laughs> and it's like, um, it, I mean, excuses are excuses, right? But it's like you had a week to do this. So can I tell you that what's is, going on here? It is what you've realized here, the whole like kids don't listen and they don't do things right mentality that forced me to take a class I absolutely did not have to take at UAT. Um, I'm sure I've talked about it before. I forget what it was called, but it was, you know, P101 or something like that. And it was basically because most people going to the school are freshmen who've never gone to you know school outside of high school before. Um, so they're like 18 or 19 years old and they're idiots in terms of like time management and stuff like that. So this class is all about time management and, you know, doing your homework and not plagiarizing and stuff like that. And I was like, seriously, I'm like... 23 24 i already have a degree that was the subject of the class is how to manage your time i forget exactly it wasn't called how to manage your time but that's what it was it was like how to understand the rules of school so quite honestly like it's not a bad class yeah well look i mean some people need to take that class and they should take that class yeah they should take it before they take my class i thought that since i had already not only started but completed an undergraduate degree, then maybe I should be allowed to not take that class. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would be exempt in my book from that. Yeah, but I was not because I was going to a second undergraduate. <laughs> like it wasn't a master's program I was in. I, I was doing a second undergraduate. And just by their rules, I had to take that class, which, by the way, means paying for the privilege of taking that class. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, the so, other thing that actually makes it really challenging for for the kind of class I teach, too, is that you get like this huge range of ability. You know, because it's like because it's a technical class. So you get these some of these kids are like, um, you know, I'm bored with your material because I've been doing like stuff that's 10 times more advanced than this, like, you know, yesterday for breakfast. 
And then there's other students who like they can't figure out how to use like the computer. Okay, <laughs> that that's what makes it challenging because you have to somehow serve both of those levels of ability. Well, you could separate make your class next time two different classes. No, 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 no. None of that will ever work because it's not like it's not like there's those two levels. It's every single variation in between too. You know? And yeah. the thing is, like I mean like I feel for the ones who like don't like are struggling with the basic stuff, but it's like I mean it's like seeing it's like seeing like a homeless person on the street, you know? It's like, okay, well, like, you feel bad, you want to help them, so you can do something to help them, but then you turn around, and there's, like, 30 more behind them, you know, who are who have just as many needs, you know? And it's so, like, I would, like, in a perfect world, I would love to tutor each one of these people individually for hours on end, but, like, I just, I don't have that resource to give to them, you know? Yeah. Now, given this is your first time, and you're discovering this for the first time, I can't I can't blame you for not having a solution in place at the beginning. But have you thought about how you would address this the next time you teach the class? By no, the you have to. There has to be prerequisites, you know, and the material. The other, I mean, like it has to be known. They have to be able to use the computer before they start the class. You know, we have this thing called Blackboard, which is like what they use to like submit like. Um, assignments through and stuff and they're you know even like weeks into the semester there's still students that are struggling with using that and it's like there's nothing i can do you know there's no time in the class to go through like that kind of rudimentary stuff like i have to go over the material that i have to teach you know so it's like the only way to deal with it is that, like, we just have to have a culture, at least in this case, you know, where they, the students have to know that they have to help themselves and figure out things for themselves that they need to know. They have to be responsible for themselves. <laughs> Do you know when that, that idea kicks into their heads? When they it's fail right. enough times, they either learn or they don't. That's, it's, it's right about graduation time when they're like, man. I really could have done so much more if I had applied myself and thought about how this was – it would be self-serving for me yeah. to study. Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, if you're not a hard ass about it, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do, you know, like I can't be everybody's parent. I can't be anybody's parent, you know? But the thing is, even though they might need the parenting, like the thing is, is that, you know, I hear stories from like, for example, one of my friends had another, uh, had, a, had another acquaintance who uh, was kind of teaching like I did, right? And he got, gave out extensions. So this one kid had an ex- like was like had some stupid excuse, and he was like, "Okay, I'll give you an extension." He gave the extension, and the student actually doesn't use the extension, so he's late on the extension too. And if I was in that place, I'd be like, "What are you doing to me here?" You know, like all this consideration is just for you, and now you're just pissing all over it. Yeah. Well, I mean. I'm I'm not a professor in your position, but I would get every, give everybody one strike, you know, like, okay, you get the extension, you screw it up, well, then you're not going to get any more leeway ever again. Yeah. Well, the only way that I know in this context to show that the deadlines are real and they mean something is to enforce them, so. Yeah. All right. So any other shenanigans you want to talk about? Wow. Okay. No, I think I'm done talking about the class. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I, and then another. Well, okay. Like one last thing is like it's um, it's becoming like exceedingly apparent to me now um, the problem of teachers being underpaid <laughs> because the amount of hours that this stuff demands. Um, it's like yeah, there's so many other jobs that pay so much more for the effort. Teachers like really do need to be paid a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I remember you first telling me about this and I was like I kind of voiced it, but it was more so in my head like do you have any idea how much time this is going to take because it's not just the hours you spend in the class. It's way more. Yeah. It's way more. It's dealing with, you know, like the the ones who will like instead of sending you like one email, they'll send you like seven emails each a minute apart. That's exciting. Yeah. But but do you actually enjoy – like do you feel like you're enriching some some of these? You these know what? Minds? The ones who care – like the ones who care about it and are putting in the effort, like it's rewarding to interact with them because they care, you know? Yeah. Like they, they give the class respect and they give the teacher respect and they give the work and the deadlines and the parameters of the class respect. And that's rewarding. It's the ones that don't give it respect that – you know, make it not rewarding. Now, did you tell them that you worked on a U-Draw game? Um, you know, I don't know. I think I might have neglected that fact. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to see how much uh, pushback or bullying you'll get if you tell them about some of the games that you've worked on. I think that they probably haven't heard of most of those games. Yeah. I actually did. I mean, I did a little bit intro of myself. I told them, like, stuff I worked on and stuff. But, I mean... What do you mean, like, bullying? Like, I mean, they're not going to be like, oh, that game was uncool, so I think you're an uncool teacher now. You're like, hey, man, Dude's Big Adventure, that was a pretty hot title. <laughs> hey, you know what? We worked hard on that product, and it was a pretty good game. Um, Just because they didn't market it worth anything doesn't mean it wasn't decent. Do you remember what year uh, the Cars game that you worked on came out? Ooh, that was earlier. That was like, I don't know, like 07 or 08. So here's what I'm thinking. Let's say it was 08. That was six years ago. These kids are – you have 18-year-olds in your class? I mean it's a freshman class, but there's a couple of like later years too. Yeah. I mean you always have that. But for the most part, they're the young kids. So six years ago, they would have been 12 or 13, and they may very well have played the game that you worked on you know, for their age bracket. They might have seriously played that for a long time. Yeah, that's pretty freaky to think about. Yeah. I mean you should bring it up. Ask him, did anybody spend a lot of time playing cars on the whatever system you worked on? <laughs> well, at least I'm, I'm impressed that they, uh, they, just, they know about some Nintendo games and stuff. So that's good. <laughs> everybody wants to feel retro cool. Yeah. All right. So let me look at, look at my list and see where else we're going to go with this because uh, I feel like we're, we're done ragging on your students. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Here's another thing that's bugging me. Uh, do you remember, this was probably more than a month ago. In fact, I think it was more like six weeks ago. There's all that talk about the ET cartridges being dug up. Yeah. More than just ET, but especially they were on the hunt for the ET cartridges. Yeah, that was like so, some months ago. I guess what happened is they, they dug up a lot of these. They pulled up a bunch, but there's still like tens of thousands still in the ground, and they're just leaving them there. And the city of Alamogordo, New Mexico, like said, okay, we're done. Like the rest are just going to stay in there. And you can pull up a bunch. And, you know, so many, something like 500 or something are going to go to various museums and stuff and they're going to auction off or maybe they're auctioning off 500 and keeping 800 or vice versa. I don't okay, know. Okay. Sounds like there's plenty to go around. 
yeah, hundreds are going to be auctioned off. And when you first read the stuff, it was like, they're going to be auctioned off in about a month or next month. Now, and not that I want competition in these auctions, but I am very personally interested in getting one of these ET cartridges from the landfill. Um, and I would be willing to pay what others would probably be consider uh, quite a bit of money for these things. Would you would you prefer it came like uncleaned, like with the like dirt of Alamogordo like on it and stuff in the crevices yeah, absolutely. of the cartridge? And I expect that's how they how they intend to distribute them. Yeah, maybe they'll give you like an extra like a few extra bonus rocks, you know, just to like complete the diorama. <laughs> yeah, be like, hey, I've got landfill dirt. Great. <laughs> Pro- probably, by the way, nuclear land landfill dirt because it's in New Mexico. Yeah, get but, your Geiger counter out. Yeah. Anyway, I like I said, I am personally very interested in having this because I think it's a really important piece of video game history. Um, even if it's not so true that E.T. was the downfall of the industry for several years, it, the lore has made it true, basically. Um, and I, I want that. And so I'm trying to pay attention and see when these things are going, going, uh, you know, up for auction. But I can't even find the source that says they were going on up for auction. So, like, I go to the Alamogordo City government page, and there's no mention of it anywhere. Not from a month and a half ago. Not like this is going to be happening. Nothing. Maybe it's one of those things where somebody just said something. Yeah, well, I mean... When you see it enough times, maybe it's all from the same one source that I can't find, but I just assume it's really going to happen. But I haven't seen it happen, and I'm really afraid I'm going to miss out on my opportunity. And I'm basically just relying on these guys to blow up on a story that they already covered a month and a half ago, which is less likely than if it was a brand new story. Like, I want to know when these things are auctioning, and I have no you know way of telling when that's going to happen unless I maybe call up Alamogordo and you know that the person on the phone is going to be like, what? Are you talking about? No, no, no. I, th- I highly recommend. I think you should do that. I'm just going to take a stab in the dark here. I have no good reason to believe this is the case, but I just get the suspicion that whoever is working in the government in Alamogordo has enough free time to address your phone call. <laughs> hey, so um, you have some cartridges for E.T.? <laughs> but like, They're probably like, yeah, you've been the 20th caller today. Obviously, they're not handling it i'm sure they're gonna have somebody else handle the sale and that's they're really like i don't know <laughs> i have no idea but i just it's it's upsetting to me how important this is at least in my mind and how little importance has been placed on it by the people involved <laughs> yeah i mean like clearly you know they should be focusing on this on, like more than like any other aspect of running the government absolutely see you're with me you understand where i'm coming from <laughs> Okay, but really now, like, let's let's address the elephant in the room here, Alon. I mean, how much are you willing to pay for something like Dude, this? Dude, at one point I saw someone, some blog that mentioned this stuff, talk about how, who knows, they could go for 500 bucks or something. And I was like, I would be totally willing to spend 500 bucks on that. No problem. I mean, I'd like to think that it was less, but whatever. I'll put $500 down on that. I mean, that's a piece of wow. history. Well, I mean, I guess when you look at it from a historical perspective, that's I obviously don't give that changes a couple. Give things. two craps about the game. I could buy a copy of the game for a dollar on eBay. Yeah, it's the game that was in the landfill. It's representative of something that happened in in the industry, like a really important thing that happened in the industry that I that I care about. And so, you know, I'd mount it in a you know, a frame and all that jazz. Yeah, you should totally, you should like collect a few of those rocks and like arrange it artistically around the cartridge. 
and then like use some kind of like freezing technique or something to like freeze all that stuff in place and then it'll be like a piece of a, art. A vacuum seal I think is what – Yeah, vacuum seal. There you go. Yeah, probably not going to do that. But I really do want this thing and it really pisses me off that I can't find more info about it. So if anybody sees info, let me know since apparently I'm not good at finding these things. <laughs> All right, now, on the subject, the same subject of old games, I came across an article today. Now, unfortunately, there's lots of articles in the gaming universe written by all sorts of people. And so this is not from, like, um, some sort of, like, blogging outlet that uh, that has a lot of pedigree. Like, I didn't recognize the name, and I don't remember it right now. But the article was the 10 most influential NES games. And I guess they're going to do this for various consoles. Uh, but this was very up my alley because I've been talking about how I want to make sure that like I have the right games for my kid to play when he's old enough to play these things. And I've been asking listeners, like, what are the top 10 games for these systems? It's basically answering the exact question that I was asking our listeners to help me with. Yeah, that's a funny qualifier, influential. Yeah, well, exactly. And they didn't talk about that, the influence very much within the context of the article, but I want to go over this list and hear your thoughts. Um, and as I go over the list, let me remind you that it is, I'm, I'm going in reverse order. So the most influential will be last. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm like, I really love being judgmental. So this is really exciting yeah. for me. All right. And we, we don't do enough lists on the show. So anyway. Yeah. Oh, and we don't do enough making judgments about <laughs> things either. So. All right. So that we might do. Um, all right. So I really should credit the website that made this article, but maybe I'll find it later. I don't know. Um, 10 most influential NES games, according to these people that I don't trust. Uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. In, well, I mean, number okay. 10. Um, influential. Okay. It's pretty, it basically said everyone has this. It's got good controls. You know, it got people to play. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, like, let's not go crazy here. It didn't have the greatest controls. I agree. <laughs> All right. Now more influential than Mike Tyson's punch out. And by the way, they never mentioned, the whole like dichotomy of Mike Tyson's punch out versus punch out. Um, they just focused on Mike Tyson's punch out. Um, yeah. Number nine, double dragon. And I have very mixed feelings about this. They made the point of like, this was at a time when double dragon was probably the most popular arcade game out there. So everyone wanted to get their hands on it. Yeah. Maybe culturally. So, you know what, actually now that like I'm thinking about it for more than 10 seconds, Punch-Out, it didn't, I don't think it hardly influenced anything. I mean, it was popular. It was culturally huge. But I don't think it influenced anything. I think, like, Double Dragon influenced a lot more. Because Double Dragon was basically, like, the de facto, even though it wasn't really the first one of its kind, like, it was kind of the de facto originator of, like, the side-scrolling, you know, fighting game. Yeah, well, so, and I agree with you. On sort of on both counts, Mike Tyson Punch Out probably a more fun game, <laughs> certainly more appreciated. Uh, but Double Dragon, I also think you're right; it was influential in that way. But I don't know that it was the NES game that was influential. <laughs> it might have been the arcade game, which was actually good. And yeah, it definitely wasn't specifically the NES game because the NES game was a very yeah and uh, reduced version of the original. And Will's in the rest of this list will recognize that like some of these games came from arcade and they didn't do as well as on the NES. Like they just, the yeah, NES wasn't I mean, powerful enough. Look, if real life, a Bobo saw how he ended up in the NES game, he would be very upset. Yeah, It's funny. They, they mentioned a Bobo in the little paragraph they wrote about it. All right. So next on the list, eight is Ninja Gaiden. 
And if they also showed the cover of the box, right? And it says on that, like, number yeah. one arcade smash hit, something like that. Just like it. I mean, that was, that was actually, that's an interesting example because that was a totally landmark game. And actually, like, the NES version was way better than the arcade version, even though the graphics weren't as but good. The, no, it was a completely different game. Yeah, it was a different game. It was, game. like, Ninja Gaiden in the arcade was a side-scrolling beat-em-up, kind of like Double Dragon, although I don't know if you could play multiplayer. Um, it, no, I don't, th- I'm not sure, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't, I think it was single but, player, but, like, it was a really tall character, something that was way too big, a sprite for the NES, um, and he could do, like, some flips, but it was definitely side-scrolling, pick up knife, knives, hit people, stuff like that, and the NES version went from instead of a super tall, like, arcade character, it was actually a really stout <laughs> character, and he could, like, attach to walls, and it was a big universe that was vertical and horizontal scrolling, and, like, it was a... Yeah, but it was still much better than the arcade game, even though they were going in different directions. What's weird is, in my memory, it wasn't a terribly good game, but I think that's just because it was really difficult, and I didn't like super difficult games. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I had a completely different impression of Ninja Gaiden. It was, like, one of, the, like... I mean, it got, like, way too hard at the end. It got, like, crazy, you know? I think that was one of the games where it's, like, I got to the end boss on, like, several of the games, but I never finished it. Yeah. Uh, and it, it got crazy hard, but it was, like, um, I mean, that was definitely one of the better playing NES games. Was it? I may just not have a good memory of it. I certainly played it a lot, so I must have liked it enough. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the the moves were, like, very responsive. You know, it was a very snappy game. It felt, like, really good to play. Yeah. All right, well, let's go next on the list then. So that was number oh yeah, 10, 9, 8. That was 8. Next on the list, specifically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. Now, if you'll recall, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, and I believe the arcade game was already out. But the NES game came out, and again, it was a 100% different game. Not Like, yeah, nothing that, influenced that from the arcade. Also super buggy and difficult. Yeah, and it was like an... Exp- like, it was almost like uh, Goonies 2 on the NES. Like, it was an ex- exploration no, title. No, it was like, you know what? Ninja Turtles on the NES, that was the E.T. of the NES generation. It, it, okay. was, it was a weird game based on, you know, relative to people's expectations. So, of course, they realized that, uh, you know, the developers realized people wanted the arcade game. So they released, you know, TMNT 2, the arcade game. And that, I've got to say, was very, very close to the arcade game, unlike Double Dragon. Yeah, and that's that's when we all realized that those amazing arcade multiple player brawlers were not quite as cool as we always thought they were. Yeah, I mean, people loved the game, and it did it did a great job of recreating it. So I I give it a little bit of respect there. Um, and then it went on, you know, Super Nintendo iterations to other games that basically copied that formula and and were popular. And I mean, I I think Turtles in Time was actually an arcade game, and then went on to Super Nintendo. So. Anyway, yeah, that's right. they continued and did did well. Although, again, I don't know how influential that was since that basic concept was already around. Um, yeah. Next, Do you want to power through a few of these since we're coming up near the end? I mean, we'll just extend it a little bit. We haven't done a show in a month, so I'm willing to let it go a few extra minutes. Yeah, it feels like it was yesterday. Yeah. So <laughs> next on the list, we're starting to get into actually good games here. Uh, number six is Castlevania. Yes, I agree. Influential, and it's only because I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, and it it certainly went on to. Well, they made a lot more Castlevania games. I wonder how many games copied the Castlevania formula. No, there was there's like Eight Eyes, which was like looked like a like a very direct 
Castlevania. Oh, I never played that game. Yeah, they had like it had like stairs that were like almost the exact same implementation. What's interesting is the stairs are almost the defining characteristic of Castlevania. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why it like it felt like it was so similar. Yeah. All right. So Castlevania, certainly a good game. Um, next, Contra. Yeah, I mean that should be pretty pretty uh, high up or low, whatever your point yeah. of reference is on that list. It was. Uh, now, who developed Contra? It's not a Nintendo game, is it? No, that was Konami. That's dude. what I thought. So we, so far, we've got only one Nintendo game on this list. Konami was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Castlevania. Yeah, what are you, are you going to write the Nintendo Gestapo that they're not dominating this corner? Well, wait, of the wait world? till you get to you know one, two, and three in this list. Uh, all right, so next on the list, number four, is Mega Man. Again, don't know how influential it was, aside from the fact that it had lots of other games in the series. Um, yeah, that was another, like, big cultural thing, but it's not like... Uh, it didn't really seem to spawn anything that wanted to replicate anything about it that was unique, you yeah. know? Yeah, so I'm trying to think of what, what did sort of set it apart. And you might think the arm cannon, but really it was the fact that like certain weapons dealt better damage to an enemy, if you were considerate about. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they did that, right? Like they had their stage format, which like no other game used either. So, I mean, it was like there was a lot of unique things about it. Yeah. So I don't think it influenced much. The whole idea that like one type of weapon might better fight one type of enemy. Yeah, but like I don't think that they – I mean that was represented well in that game, but I never took that game to be like a particular model – about, like, elemental damage in that way. Yeah. You know, like, there's been lots of examples before and since. Well, were there other examples before? Because that's the first one I can think of. But I also don't think yeah, of it as something that's... I mean, that's... I can't... I wouldn't be able to tell you right now, but it would, I was not left with the impression that that was anywhere near the first time I just, that sort of thing was going even on. Even if it was the first time, I feel like it's obvious, right? Like, if you have a fire weapon, it would be good against an ice enemy and vice versa, right? Like, Yeah, but the weird thing about that game was that, I mean, like, their elements weren't that clear cut. Oh, yeah. It was hard to tell what so, would work on somebody. Yeah. So it's like it was really, like, yeah, it was really unclear what would be the best one. Yeah. Um, but then you think, like, okay, Pokemon did that whole thing, and I'm sure other games did down the road um but i wouldn't consider it an an influence just an obvious okay let's move on move on here metroid number three definitely influential yeah i figured that'd probably be in the top three yeah and you could see like castlevania the newer castlevanias influenced by the older metroids and um even just putting women in power roles i think might have might have stemmed from from metroid but definitely a good game um, another one that used the arm cannon, but all right. So next on the list, number two, can you guess what two and one are going to be? God. Okay. Well, one of them's Mario. Yep. The other one's probably Zelda. Then. Yep. So <laughs> number two is Zelda. And I, I would, I would see that as influential. Yeah. There's a lot of like dungeony games, get the key, open the door. Uh, few do it so well, but. But yeah, I'll give it that. And then Mario, of course, spawned all sorts of people trying to make platform games that that achieve the same goal. But Mario was was definitely number one there. Um, what I what I thought interesting about this list is that you've got a total of four Nintendo games, right? One, two, three, and ten Punch Out were Nintendo games, and then you've got a lot of Konami, right? Contra is Konami. Um, Castlevania was Konami as well, wasn't it? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, those were the big dogs back yeah. then. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, Double Dragon was Trade West, but was Trade West one of those companies that was actually Konami behind the scenes? Oh, I couldn't I don't tell you. All right, so I'll give three so. to Konami. And then, like, I think Ninja Gaiden was Tecmo. And Mega Man is contra- uh, Capcom. So you've got Nintendo has four, Konami has three. It's kind of obvious. Like, those are the the big dogs in the Nintendo era. But, like, the what's more important to me is what games didn't make this list? Like, if you just think back to your favorite NES games, what what comes to mind? Uh, well, a lot of those games. Not a lot. Some of them. I mean, I think it's a pretty... I mean, if you were going to pick 10, I think it's pretty good, you know? What about stuff like Dragon Warrior? Am I crazy? I mean, Dragon Warrior was... Yeah, that was actually very influential. But you know what? It wasn't... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could arguably put that in the top 10. That's a good one. That's definitely a good yeah, one. And there's no puzzle games in here. Although Tetris Tetris was huge. Yeah, I don't, you know? I don't know if you could put Tetris on here because it wasn't originally a Nintendo game. But, like, I, I want to put it on the list. But I would say it's almost more influential in the, in the fact that it started on the Game Boy. I mean, it didn't really start on the Game Boy, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, who knows about that? Okay. I'm trying to think. So, so I'm gonna. I guess they're only counting the ones that started there, you know. But then, like, you get into just all these weird logistics that don't make any. So, sense. if I'm if I'm a good host, what I'll do is hunt down this original article and link to it on Facebook, and then ask for people to. Uh, to tell us what games were missed on this list, or if they think this really is a solid list of the top 10 games that you should be playing on, on the NES, which actually isn't the headline. I mean, it's, they say most influential, but I think it also is a good example of the top 10 games you should just play in general. Um, anyway, with that, I'm ready to, to close out the show. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before, before we go? I'm so ready to go back to sleep. So there certainly were topics we didn't get to. Steam discovery stuff, PlayStation Home, an article that we saw about that. So maybe we can cover those next time. Um, so let's aim for two weeks from now. If anybody has some stories they want to they wanna relay to us that we could either replay or um, dramatize on the show, I'd be happy to do that. And uh, put that all on our Facebook page and then go find this list of 10 games on our Facebook page later. And, um, and I want to hear what you have to say about it. And if there's something that was just brutally left out of this list other than Dragon Warrior. And maybe next time I'm going to have some foreign travel stories. Oh, yeah. That'd be good, too. But we'll see what happens. Oh, my God, dude. Duck Hunt. Gumshoe. Laser laser gun games. Totally not on the list. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Gyromite, track and field. I'm not going to comment on the influentiality of those products. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, head on to our Facebook page slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.